the Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. and welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. Today we speak with Lynn Leslie. Lynn works as a school principal in Calgary, Alberta, and is currently pursuing an education doctorate at Western University, focusing on effective implementation of school plans. She draws on her past experience as a school board trustee and business systems analyst to inform her leadership practice. Lynn is the recipient of the Learning Partnerships 40 2017 Canada's Outstanding Principals Award and the Alberta Teachers Association's 2014 Distinguished Leader Award. In our conversation, we start on education plans, but then move on to all other different aspects of education. Now, if you like what you're hearing, connect with us, Intersection Education. You can go to our website, intersectioneducation.com, follow us on Twitter at Intersection Ed, and we're even on Facebook. We really appreciate it when you rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Now, here's my conversation with Lynn Leslie. Lynn Leslie, welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. How are you today? Good, thank you. Great. I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and get really right into it because I think that what you are, uh, what we're going to talk about today is of a big value for, for almost every single administrator and person in a leadership out there because it seems like in every single jurisdiction, um, there's some sort of planning process that schools have to engage in. Um, can you explain to us, just so that we have a little bit of context, what school improvement plans look like in Alberta, or maybe even more specifically, uh, when you were doing, because that's kind of the basis of your story, when you were doing these plans, what did that look like in this planning? Sure. Well, in Alberta, it's uh, we have quite a process involved with school plans. It starts with government policy that shapes the direction that jurisdictions take, and um, from the priorities that the board sets, then school boards or schools will then sort of translate those goals and objectives into areas of improvement within their own context. So it's it's quite broad, but yet very focused. Right. So it seems, um, just to clarify, there's a bit of interaction between the provincial government or the, the state government and then the individual school boards and then the schools. So there's there's kind of three levels there that we need to interact with. Absolutely, yes. Now, now I know that you've been looking at the problem of using these plans to actually improve teaching and learning in schools, because uh, I know that it's a bit of a joke, but it seems like sometimes these plans are onerous, but they don't actually have a lot of impact. What brought you to this subject, and, and what were the problems that you were seeing that made you want to explore this idea of school improvement plans? Sure. Well... I think it, it really, I started to appreciate the idea of school plans when I became a school principal about five years ago. And what I encountered was the complexity that's involved with adhering to the policy requirements, um, 
ensuring that we have plans that are aligned with district priorities, and then also being able to put those plans into action. And so I was kind of going, wow, this is a huge daunting task that I've never really had to lead before as a junior uh, leader within the district. And so it was kind of all on my shoulders to say, okay, what are we going to do? And um, so uh, the driver for our school plans is the accountability pillar results from Alberta Education. So that yearly large scale assessment that is done on an annual basis. And so in October, those results arrive and all of a sudden it's like, wow, like what am I going to do with these results? How am I going to now take that those results and put them into some sort of strategic approach to change within the school, given that sometimes though that data is large scale, so it's not really relevant to our current needs. And so juggling those multiple layers, but then also juggling what is meaningful within the schools ourselves to to shape our our movement forward. So I think that you're really speaking to that complexity, that idea of, you know, new data, old data, how do you make it relevant, all these kind of things. Now, now you've really had some time to dig into this problem. I, I, I'm really interested to see what you found and maybe some big takeaways for schools or for school leaders that, that from what you've seen, you'd really like to share. Well, one of the, I think the biggest things that I realized is that school plans have two purposes. One of the purposes of a school plan is to respond to the accountability measures and the political demands that exist within policy. As a publicly funded institution, we are we are accountable to the public for the funds that we receive for education. And so there is definitely that uh, need to acknowledge that we are publicly funded and therefore we have accountability for that funding that we receive. So the accountability piece is one part of the purpose of a school plan. But then the other part of a school plan is, again, guiding that improvement forward. And so how can we develop a strategic plan that is meaningful within the local context? So it's kind of navigating. So what I learned is navigating between those two purposes of the school plan uh, requires new strategies and new techniques, new processes to support that, to build that coherence or that alignment between those two worlds, those two purposes of the school plan. Now, was there a portion that you felt like you were much better at? So when you were looking at and when you were working with these school plans as a school principal, when you looked at both the accountability piece and then the piece about guiding improvement, was, did you find that there was one that was just easier than the other? Well, in our, in our school district, we have um, our school plans are very uh, – broadly defined. And so we have, I think it's 13 different outcome areas that need to be addressed. Okay. And there are things there, those are outcomes, those are sort of areas like student wellness, um, literacy, numeracy, parent engagement. And so they're broad sort of categories of improvement, but there's a lot to manage. Yeah. And so what I found, I went to um, coming from a business systems background, I went to aligning the process. So how do I make sense of all of these components, all of these important qualities of a school plan, and then enact these in, in a way that align with the internal processes and the um, resources that I have within the school mm -hmm. to be able to support that? 
So I found that that my first sort of area, the easiest area for me to approach was building collaborative teams around academic goals. And that's kind of where I started, was really looking at that collaborative approach to a couple of areas within the school plan. Yeah. Now, so you started there. What would you say are um, the biggest changes that you've made to your practice from looking at this, these plans and, and kind of coming to understand what they do in a broader sense? What are the biggest changes? I think for me, the biggest change has been my school plan. The school plan for our school is a lived document. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sit on the shelf and collect dust. It is a lived, it's my curriculum. So as a leader, I have to teach these outcomes. I have to lead these outcomes within the context of my, my school, my class, within the teacher population, the staff population, the community population. So probably my biggest um, shift has been really consulting frequently to what are what is the vision where, what strategies did we put in place? How are those strategies working? And what do we need to do to adjust them? So really, I think developing that, that um, ongoing assessment uh, and development of the school plan over time and, and really making it a lived process within the ethos of the school environment. Now, you've been working on this, uh, and you've worked through a, f a couple different schools, and, and now you've worked at, at this from an academic uh, lens. What would you say are kind of the next steps that you see with this work, and and perhaps getting the word out or, or, or learning more about it so that these, can, these school plans can be utilized in a more impactful way? Well, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with my professor the other day about about my problem, which is the lack of a clear process for implementing school plans. Mm -hmm. And um, he he talked to me about um, um, a situation he was in where he was asked it was about May, and he was asked by his direct report if if he could show evidence that there was progress being made with their school plans within their school plan goals. And it kind of, you know, took him aback. And this is a really common story that I hear. Uh, so what I would see is being able to support myself first and then colleagues next or maybe in collaboration with, um, how do you respond to that question? So how do you respond if you were asked, you know, to what extent are, is your, are your school plans having impact on the improvement areas you've identified within your school? And how would you know? So sort of my next steps are building uh, is building a change strategy or some tools, some supports to be able to um, help answer that question. Do you want, let's get into a couple of questions that, that, that come away a little bit from school plans specifically and are a little bit more related to education. I'd like to know if there's something about learning or education that you think is true, but when you bring it up or when you talk about it, um, you get a bit of pushback from. People don't always agree with you about it. <laughs> you know, it was an interesting question, truly. And I think um, the biggest um, thing that I get pushback on is when uh, – we are being sort of sold that this is the way to do it. Uh, this is the magic solution to this problem of education. And um, 
and when you sort of start to challenge that a little bit to say, well, is it really, is it really helping us to address those complex needs within the classroom? Is it really helping us to support teachers in uh, developing the professional capacity and confidence in being able to do this work? Or is it just trying to put another thing, another, you know, it's, it's the Holy grail. It's, it's what's going to work now for sure, for sure. Um, and then we realized two, three years later that, it changes again. And so for me, it's that there's no magic solution in education. Um, but in fact, it's about us working together to figure out developing what works for us within our context, definitely referring to the literature and to the research about around good practice or high impact approaches. But it's, it's not about this is the right way. Right. So it's really allowing that organic uh, development of um the best practice and the best fit practice yeah. uh, to be able to guide our our approaches. It's a great way to put it. I love that. It's the best practice and the best best fit, and there's no magic bullet. It's a it's a it's a group of strategies. I love mm-hmm. that. You know, and I'm also really interested in learning environments, and 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 you have an interesting backstory because you've got a lot of lived experience in in a couple different places where where learning takes place now when you think back to some of the best learning experiences that you've had what both them made them powerful was there people places or activities that you think really helped make learning better and when you're thinking about this what do you what do you see as the great learning environment Gosh, I think all the above, you know, those experiences, the people, the new ways of thinking, the ways to frame things. um, I think all of those really contribute to uh, a strong learning environment and exciting learning environment. And I think uh, for me, um, I had a supervisor once when I was a consultant and she ensured we had 20% time. So any professional development or any professional learning, we always had a little chunk of time where we could explore something of our interest or something that we were, you know, thinking about. And then the way that it unfolded was, you know, we would share it and we would do it through a group dynamic. And I, I I've kind of played around with those different approaches through ed camps or genius hours or, um, you know, teacher directed uh, professional learning, but really anytime you can kind of have time to go deeply into an area of interest and then get that excitement again around learning happening uh, and then be able to share that amongst colleagues who can give you critical feedback and supportive guidance. I think, you know, that that environment to me is the best learning environment. Now, the next question is, is reflecting back on your experience. And I'm interested to know, is there a favorite failure or a favorite success that you have? Something that when you think back about that experience, you go, oh boy, I learned a really good lesson there. (laughs) Well, I had lots of failures, um, but I think one of my, uh, and and lots of successes too, uh, but I think um, one of my, favorite failures uh, was that, or realizations, I suppose, is that nobody likes a know-it-all. And so it's hard, it's easy to get wrapped up in the academia, especially now that I'm pursuing a doctorate. And uh, I'm sort of living in that headspace right now. And not everybody is wanting to kind of go there with me. And so I, I need to just be really mindful about when and how to share information and and really do continue to practice good listening skills and uh, really hearing the stories of other people um, because I learn as much from that as I, I'm 
you know, it's, it's very much a reciprocal process. Any tips for, uh, for, for taking a step back? Uh, do, do you take the, like the deep breath or do you have one person roll your finger, your tongue around your mouth a few times or anything like that? Which one do you use? Well, I'm, I'm learning that when I get really passionate about something, I, uh, my, um, I start to move a lot. And so really being mindful of my body and uh, getting myself back to a place of relaxing, relaxing my stance, uh, because then I think that helps to ease my mind and, and um, <laughs> open my ears a little bit better. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, do you have a favorite app or a favorite website or maybe a, a film or some other media that you really like right now? Gosh, well, I'm in the middle right now of... Um, uh, working on a, a major assignment is actually my proposal for my uh, capstone project. And so I've been using the app uh, called Focus Keeper okay. based on the uh, Pomodoro technique for time management. Yeah. Um, again, Dr. Dunn had, uh, through the Agile Schools, had uh, suggested this technique. And I found an app that has been just my godsend because it's really a good motivator to get me started. But then the frequent breaks are a nice added bonus. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, now, do you have a book that you like to quote that you refer to or that you have marked up a lot? A book, kind of just a recommendation. Yeah, for me, it's The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. Um, it's about building authentic power and recognizing that the challenges that we experience in life are really just opportunities to grow our souls. And so to just, to just know that we're all in this together and to be kind to one another and uh, to be kind to yourself. Sounds good. Hey, uh, is there anything that you do most days or, or maybe even every day that you feel really keeps you well and healthy? You know, I, I, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is just trying to keep a positive attitude. And um, I smile a lot. You know, it's just uh, life is really short sometimes and you have to embrace every moment. It's really a gift. Absolutely. Now, lastly, is there an organization or a person that really inspires you? Could be could be short term, it could be longer term, but someone you feel, feel is really doing good work. For me, it's Dr. Simon Breakspear and the work that he's doing with Agile Schools. Um, I think I've been involved now for about five, four or five years through the uh, ATA's Agile Schools Network and the leadership opportunities and a pilot school for learning sprints. And I, the more I learn about his work and the work around uh, leading agile, ongoing learning and development within the schools, um, it's really just, I think, bringing a new life to what collaboration is and how we really share leadership uh, for school improvement. And so um, I'll be fortunate to uh, be part of the Alberta uh, International Exchange Network with Australia to um, participate in some action research around leadership. And with the support of Jeff Johnson and the ATA, I'm just in my own school district. I'm just super excited about um, connecting the work of Dr. Breakspear and the work they're doing in Australia with the work that's happening here at, regarding leadership. And um, yes, I'm just super excited about learning more about leading Ad adaptive agile school improvement that's uh, really exciting yeah i was listening about that uh, i was hearing about that from the council for school leaders it sounds great 
Now, I would say what's next for you, uh, but I but I think that you've got a lot on your plate right now. That's, <laughs> it sounds really exciting. Finishing up a doctorate, uh, school plans, uh, headed to Australia for the an exchange. Wow, it's it seems really exciting. So uh, uh, we'll definitely have to catch up again and and see and see how that's gone. But in the meantime, how can people follow along on the jersey journey with you? What is the best way that people can connect with you? Probably the best way is on Twitter. Um, I can be reached at Lynn Leslie too, uh, through there. And yeah, yeah, I look forward to seeing how all this unfolds and uh, learning more about school leadership through your podcast. Well, thanks so much, Lynn. Have a uh, great rest of or beginning of the school year. And like I said, I'm excited to see what happens in the coming years for you, both in your doctorate and in all of your travel. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Intersection Education Podcast. Just a reminder that you can connect with us on our website, intersectioneducation.com, on Twitter, intersectioned, or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.